Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. As we go to the Word of God, say this with me. Today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Also, we want to remind those who are joining the church, we are having a new membership luncheon for you today. And uh, we are looking forward to getting to know you a little better. Genesis chapter 41, verse 52. I saw this the other day, and it just really spoke to me in a different way more than it ever has. And that is about the cause that God has on each and every one of us. Say, because. because. You know, when we think about the word because, we don't really tear it apart or break it down, I guess is the right word, break it down and think about the word because. Because when I was growing up, you know, and I understand a little bit about grammar, but not enough because, you know, I was going to be an engineer. I wasn't going to be an English teacher. And uh, the only way I could be an engineer was to learn how to spell it first. And that's about it when it came to grammar and spelling. You know, I learned how to spell engineer and, and I just, you know, just kind of, you know, skated through English and, and literature and all that stuff. I thought, you know, I don't need any of that stuff, you know, and then come to find out God called me to do something else to understand languages and words and interpretations. And so I've had to learn a lot of this on my own. But anyway, when we think about the word because, and you break it down, the word be really means a continuation of something. When God said light be, light was. That means it kept on being. When God breathed into us, we became a living, help me, being. A continuation of what he created us to be. And so the word because is means, it means this. There is a continuation of the cause that God has for you. Now, when I was growing up, sometimes I would ask my mom difficult questions, and sometimes the answer was because. When mom said because, it's because she had a cause that was contrary to mine. And when I was younger, guess who got to win in that argument? Mom did. And when mom said because, it was over. You know, no need arguing with mom. You know, never argued with dad, but don't argue with mom because mom had a cause, and her cause was a lot more important than mine. And so when we look at the word cause, we begin to understand it gives us direction for our lives. And the word tells us here in Genesis chapter 41, verse 52, it tells us this, and the name of the second he called Ephraim, this is Joseph. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Because of the cause that was in Joseph's life, and because he did not back off of that plan and that purpose and those dreams, because the cause kept him going, kept him believing God, he ended up having Ephraim, which means doubly fruitful. Which means, in other words, because of the challenges you went through, Joseph, God said, I'm going to bless you because you held on to the cause, you held on to the purpose, you held on to the plan of God, regardless of what you went through, and though you went through some difficult things to get there, I'm now going to cause you to be doubly fruitful. Well, the truth is, Joseph was more than doubly fruitful compared to the life that he left. 
You have to understand, he was in a life as a nomad. They lived in tents. He was a shepherd. They lived out in the wilderness. Yes, God, God blessed them. And there's no doubt that God blessed Jacob and, you know, uh, his sons. But Joseph was more than doubly blessed. Because as you read the Word of God, not only was he supernaturally restored for the challenge as he went through, but one of the scriptures says that he, as he told his brothers, he said, I am a father unto the Pharaoh. Now the scripture says that, you know, yes, he was second in command, but if you're a father unto the one who's in command, who's really in charge here? Who really has the say here? Look at the type of lifestyle he was living in. Look at the type of buildings he was living in. In fact, you know, when he lived in a tent, he probably laid on the ground, but now he lives in a home where he has a bed. Now, I don't know about you, my wife and I have been camping, and that lasts about two or three days, and she says, I'll crawl away until we get home, and I can get into my bed. You know, sleeping in a bed is a lot better than sleeping on the ground. Does anybody ever, can, can, do I have a witness here? Amen. You know? All right, you know, and so he was sleeping in a much better place. He had a much better life. He had provision. He had servants to help him. He had employees there. You know, when he wanted his horses, you know, hooked up his chariots uh, get to, to be ready for him to go somewhere, he just, you know, gave the order. and It was done. What a much better life that he had than he would have had if he would have stayed in Israel. And because of this cause that he had, God blessed him. The pruning of Joseph by the sharp knife of adversity led him to be more fruitful than he ever thought he could be. So don't run away from adversity. I was thinking about what Pastor Vicky was saying about the winds. You don't have to run from winds. Yes, God can get you over it. He can get you through it. He can get you around it. I want to let you know he can calm it too. Amen. He can calm any winds. You know, and in, in aviation and navigation, one of the things we want to do is either we want to, you know, land into the wind, or when we get up in the air, we want a tailwind to push us. So we want to try to use the wind to our advantage. And I'm going to let you know that there are going to be winds of adversity in the world, but for God's believer, it's going to advance them. It's going to cause them to go places they never thought they could go. It's going to cause them to accelerate and go to places, high, higher places than you ever thought you can go. So don't be afraid of the winds of adversity. Know this, that through that adversity, God's going to take you to a place. He's going to use that adversity to take you to a place you never thought you can go. I say like this, you know, whenever there's a stumbling stone in your life, let it be a stepping stone for your next success. That's God's plan for your life. And that's what's going to happen for the, some of the things the world's going to say, oh, it's bad. But for us, it's going to be good. Why? Because God's hands are alive, and we hang on to that cause. We hang on to that purpose. So God's cause for Joseph was to a double portion for his adversity. We see in the book of Job, chapter 42, verse 10, when Job prayed for his friend, God restored the double. The least God wants to do for you is the double. The least. That's the very least God wants to do. He wants to add to you, but he wants to do more than double. But he wants to start with the double. How many of you would be better off if everything was doubled today in your life? You know, you went in and looked into your, your bank account, it was doubled. Would that help you? If you had twice as much as whatever you have right now, maybe an extra car, would that help you? Maybe an extra house, maybe an extra yard to mow. Well, that might not help you, but you know what I'm saying. But how many of you know that the double would help you? 
Hmm? You know, double anointing, double strength, double knowledge. You know, that's the least where God wants to start, you, start with you is an area of the double. And so there was a double portion for his, his shame. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, the Message Bible says it like this. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. If you hang on to the cause, whatever you've been through, God will make it worth your while. And this is why it's so important that we don't let go of that purpose, that we don't let go of the cause. Well, we know Joseph said this to his brothers, you know, when he finally revealed himself to them. You know, and I, I realize that a lot of people have, an under, have a hard time understanding. Well, why didn't his brothers recognize Joseph? Well, first of all, when you were an Egyptian man, many people don't know this, but Egyptian men wore makeup. You know, he wasn't like his Hebrew brothers. He was part of the Egyptian culture. He had the, uh, maybe the little hat and the charcoal underneath his eyes. And, and uh, you know, he was older and his hair was cut like the Egyptians' hairs were cut. So they wouldn't have noticed him anyway. They didn't recognize him. But when he recognized them and revealed himself to them, he said, listen, don't feel bad because what you meant for harm, God meant for good. God used what you did to me to preserve our family, to preserve our nation. And we have to understand this, because of what Joseph did and went through, God preserved the Jewish people, and that's where the Messiah came from. And that was the Jewish people. So good comes out of evil. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things, say all things, work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And the word purpose and cause go hand in hand. Also, Joseph was used to fulfill prophecy. God spoke to Abraham and said, hey, I'm going to send your descendants into a land where they're going to, you know, be servants, be subject to that particular government, and uh, they'll be oppressed for 400 years. And so God used Joseph because he knew his cause to fulfill prophecy. You know, when you begin to really know your cause, you'll do a lot of things that you'll think, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, but it will initiate the plan and purposes of God, not maybe only for your life, but for the life of someone else. Knowing your cause, say just because. And also he preserved the Jewish nations. Well, then when we look at what God said to David, when David was being, uh, being antagonized by his brothers, you know, when he was facing the giant and he was asking the men, what shall be done for the man who takes this giant out of this land? You know, and his brothers began to belittle him. And he said this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? That word cause is, I think, the only time, maybe one other time, it's translated in the Hebrew to mean, isn't there a word? So the word of God that God has for you is a cause of God for your life. The word that God has for you is a cause. It creates a purpose for you. And so David said, isn't there a cause? You know, I really think that David was thinking, at least this is the way I would have thought, you know, if my brother was belittling me and he was there when I was anointed to be king, I would have, liked, I would have probably put my hand in my hip and said, you were there. You heard the word. God didn't call you to be king. He called me to be king. 
Sorry, but he overlooked you. He didn't overlook me. You know, I would have probably have been a little more, you know, maybe belligerent about it. But David was saying, listen, brothers, you know what? I have a cause. I have a purpose. I have a word from God. And now is the time for that cause to be tested because Goliath is in the way. And David knew his cause. He knew he was anointed to be king. And he responded and activated his cause when he began to believe the word of God. You activate the cause of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God in your life when you begin to, number one, believe the cause, and number two, when you begin to proclaim the cause. When David said, is there not a cause? You know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this unclean beast walking on the earth? Who is this person? You know, let me do something about it. As he began to proclaim his cause, King heard what David was saying. He said, bring him to me. Now, well, this is what's so funny. King Saul knew who he was. He'd been there and played the harp to him a few times. But because he began to proclaim his cause, the king didn't recognize him. I'm here to tell you that when you begin to proclaim your cause, people won't recognize who you are. They'll recognize you as somebody else. And when you begin to proclaim your cause, you get the attention of the king. Not the king of this world, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants to hear you proclaim your cause. Somebody say, just because. So David knew he had a cause. He knew he had a word from God. And you know, when his brothers begin to belittle him, and sometimes we have to do this when others begin to criticize what we think our cause is, he had to turn away from them. Now listen, he didn't hold it against them. How do you know that, Pastor? Because his own brother served under him when he was a king, you know, in the army. And so he had to have the integrity not to allow somebody else's opinion affect his purpose and move on to fulfill the plans that God has for his life. And a lot of times we have to walk away from the negative comments, the negative opinions. You know, I was sharing with somebody the other day, you know, when Vicki and I were getting married and we were engaged to get married, you know, a lot of people didn't think it was a God. You know, and if you don't know the story and we live a very transparent life, you know, she is, you know, a few years older than I am. And so, you know, as a result, they thought, well, maybe this is going to work out. Maybe this is a fad, you know. And so, therefore, there was some people who thought this won't work. But 37 years later, And why has it worked? I'm going to tell you one reason why it's worked, because I'm a great husband. No, just <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that. Got a little carnal there, but we'll get through it. You know, it worked because I had a cause. I knew in my heart God called me to marry her. And I said this from the very beginning that we begin, when I began to realize she was the one for me. I said, God brought me into this world to marry you. That was my cause. And to raise your children from a previous marriage. That's what God called me to do. Now, if it's okay, and I explain this a little bit, she wasn't quite convinced of that at first. Okay? She just wasn't, you know. And uh, I said, that's all right. I know that God brought me into this world. I was born at the time I was born so I could be raised up to marry you and raise these two children. And so one day we were picking up a guest minister 
from the airport. That was my job as an associate minister. And we had some friends with us. And this man was a very well-known prophet. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. Many of you wouldn't know his name, but some of you might. Dick Mills was his name. So I pick up Brother Mills, and, and I'm taking him to the airport. And he goes, Brother Tom, pull over. I got a word for your friends. Oh, okay, great. So I pull over. And he, God, you boy, I mean, he just gave them, I mean, it was absolutely right on. We knew, you know, some things, and, and he just shared this with them, and it was just so wonderful, you know. So he said, okay, you can go on. So I go on. I go, Brother Tom, pull over. I got a word for your wife. Okay, so I pull over, and he goes, there's this wonderful word, you know, and boy, we both knew that was so good and everything. He, goes, he said, well, go on, you know, you're, you're, that, that's fine. You know, so I kind of looked out the window. I was driving. I said, well, now, Lord, you know, everybody else got a word here, you know. If I don't get a word, I'm going to rejoice. It's all right, you know. I mean, after all, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have been with us. You know, I had to, I'm the guy who picked them up, you know. So anyway, so we get to the hotel. And she remembers it a little more accurately, I think, than I do. But we get to the hotel, and he starts to get out of the car to go into the hotel and he gets back into the car. He said, Brother Tom, I have a word for you. Your marriage was made in heaven. And he slapped me on the leg. So anyway, he gets back out, gets his stuff, shuts the door, goes into the hotel, grabs the door, turns back around, gets back into our van, sits down, slaps me on the leg again, says, Brother Tom, I just want to let you know that your marriage was made in heaven. I said, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. I said, well, thank you. He gets out. We really think he's going to go in this time. Turns around from being in the hotel, comes back out, gets back into the van, slaps me on the leg one more time, says, I'm telling you, your marriage was made in heaven. Amen. Amen. My cause was prophesied. I knew. I knew I was caused. My cause, my purpose. I was brought into this world. To marry her. You know, and I was very, very humble about it when I turned around, looked at her, and said, I told you so. <laughs> now, ask her, was I born to marry her? And she'll say, Absolutely, 100%. God created you in heaven and sent you down here to marry me. And I believe that with my whole heart. Well, when you know your cause, it doesn't matter what other people say, other people think. There comes a time that sometimes you don't confer with flesh and blood. You got a cause, you have a purpose, you have to hear from God, and you got to go with it. So David's cause was spoken out, and as a result, you know, it changed, you know, his destiny. And so the king brought him in and said, you know, what's going on? Who are you? And then he recognized him who he was. And he said, and he said, Hey, listen, King, because I have a cause, you don't have to be afraid of this giant. You know, I'll take this giant out for you. And the king said, oh, man, I'm excited. That's great. Use my armor. And David said, well, he put it all on. It didn't fit. He said, you know what? And it dawned on him. You don't have to use somebody else's armor, someone else's revelation to fulfill your cause. Say just because. You know, a lot of times we think, well, if I'll do what this person did, I'll get the same results. Probably not. You'll probably be disappointed. But God has a cause for you. And just as, as much as he has a cause for you, he has a process to fulfill that cause. And he wants to do it just for you. Tell your neighbor he wants to do it just for you. 
Tell your other, other neighbor, just because. So God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. Well, Jesus, when he was brought before Pilate in John 18, 37, Pilate said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered and said, you say it rightly, I am a king. For this cause I was born. You got to understand, he is facing a life and death question. And a lot of people don't put this together correctly, but when Adam and, Adam and Eve sinned, they really committed a treason against God. And so when Jesus was going to admit that he was a king, he was going to admit to the ruler of the land an act of treason. I'm the king. Not the same type of king. We know it was a spiritual king. We understand that. But that's not how they were interpreting it. And when Jesus said, for this cause I came into this world, what he was saying, hey, because of this cause that's in my life, I am now surrendering my life. No man take my life unless I lay it down. I am now surrendering my life to fulfill this cause because it is the will of God for me to be crucified. It is the will of God for you to, you know, whip me and, 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 and flog me and, and, and crucify me. He said, for this cause. He knew his cause. His cause opened up the door for him to fulfill the plan of God. And not only did he say this, for this cause I was born, he said, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so a lot of times, you know, we know we have a cause, we know we have a purpose, but you know, the Bible gives us some good instructions on how to fulfill that cause, how to complete that cause in our lives. Well, number one, if you're taking notes, when you're wanting to fulfill the cause of God, first of all, Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not only seeking God, but it's wholly following after God. That's the key. That's what righteous means. It means his way of doing things. You know, I did a series last year on the standards of God. And the Bible says when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. Why do I say it that way? Number one, in Hebrew, there's no comma in that sentence. And it's used a lot of times when the enemy comes in like a flood. Well, I have to dispute that because I don't think the enemy has any water where he's coming from. You know, I remember the story of, you know, uh, Jesus taught about uh, a, a man who was in the abyss. And he said, would you have Lazarus over there and just tip his, dip his fingers in some water and bring it on just touch? He didn't have any water. So where's the enemy going to bring a flood? In fact, Jesus said, I give you all power over the power of the enemy. And by no means, say no means, no means shall anything harm you. So the only authority the enemy has over us is the authority we give him. He's been rendered powerless. And so when I look at that scripture, when the enemy comes in, that's why I say, like a flood, God raises a standard. You know, you want God to change things? Just invite him into the situation. 
That's all you have to do. The Bible says when you draw near unto God, he'll draw near unto you. Submit yourself unto the Lord and resist the devil and he shall flee. To the same degree that you're submitted to God, walking in his ways, fully and wholly following after him, you have that same authority. Actually, your, your, your submission to God, your obedience is destroying the works of darkness. The scripture goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 6, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so when you're submitted to God and you're fully and wholly following after God and you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his way, righteousness means his right way of doing things, doing things his way. How many of you know that God's smarter than you? How many of you know that his ways are higher than our ways? But he doesn't want us to, us to stay there. He wants us to come up to his level of doing things. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are smarter than we are. And when we're seeking him wholly with our whole hearts and we hear from him and we know our cause and we hear his voice to fulfill that cause and we're obedient to it, guess what? There's no plan that the enemy has that will withstand God's plan for your life. Amen. And that's what it takes. You know, I was praying this morning and I went into a zone, a little bit of a zone. My wife's like, well, why don't you pray with me? We're praying and I went into this little zone, God speaking to me. And this is what he spoke to me. He said, I'm going to take you to the wind of the Spirit. And you're going to ride on the wind of the Spirit, and you're going to sit down and rest, and I'm going to do all the work. Amen. Where's that chair at? I'm ready to sit down. I'm going to rest in the Lord. I'm going to trust Him. Why? Because I have a purpose, and I have a cause in my life. I'm going to let Him do all the work so He can get all the glory. Amen. So seek first. This is how we fulfill your calls. Secondly, get a revelation of your call. Look at your neighbor and say, just because. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Are we doing okay this morning? Matthew 16. Starting with verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered back to him, blessed are you. You've empowered the plan of God. Blessed are you. What is the plan of God? How many of you know it's the plan of God for you to be blessed? You empowered Simon Jonah, I mean uh, Simon Peter. You empowered the blessing of the Lord. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood's not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So because Peter got a revelation of who God is, Peter got embraced with the cause that God had for his life. Peter, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to raise you up because of this revelation knowledge. I'm going to raise you up to be a mighty man of God, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against you, Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, Peter. What is the rock that he's building his church on? Revealed or revelation knowledge. And the more you get a revelation of what your cause and your purpose is, the more you'll have that energy and that drive and that desire to fulfill that call. You'll wake up and you'll say, there is no man and there is no devil and there is no government that can stop God's plan for my life. Why? Because I have a cause. I have a purpose in this life. And this is how we fulfill our cause is to get a revelation that we do have a cause and we do have a purpose and we do have a plan. If anything, the Bible tells us that we're to be a salt to this earth and a light to this world. That's a cause. That's a purpose. How many of you know that there's a lot of people in the world groping out in the darkness because of sin in the world today? Well, you can be a light. How many of you know there's a lot of people who don't feel like their life is preserved? Well, you can be a salt to them. You can be an encouragement to them. You can be a strength to them. For this cause, you came into the world. Not only for a purpose that God has for your life, but for a purpose to help others see the glorious light and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you came to be a witness to all the world. And so he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say you are Peter. You know what? Because of this revelation knowledge, Peter got the revelation that he is no longer Simon Barjona or Simon, which means a reed. Tossed in two by the winds. Tossed in two by the natural elements. No, you're solid. Because of this revelation knowledge and enhance Peter's calling. And when we read from that point on, hardly was Peter ever called Simon anymore. In fact, when he authored the book Peter, it's called Peter. I'm a rock. I'm a new man. I have a purpose. I have a cause. I have a plan of God in my life. And I'm out to change the world for the kingdom of God. In fact, one scripture says, I'm, I'm here to turn the world right side up for the glory of God. Amen? And so, you know, this is what happened because of revealed knowledge, getting revelation knowledge, going back to seeking first. If you don't know what your cause is, it's just as simply as doing this. Seek God. God revealed to, you, to me what my cause is. And a lot of times that cause is just as simply as, what has God, what, what do you like to do? What is in your heart to do? You know, sometimes I've heard this, people say, well, don't ever say, you know, I don't ever want to go be a missionary because as soon as you say I don't ever want to become a missionary, God will make you become a missionary. You know, that's not totally true, you know, and probably the real reason why you're saying that is because on the inside, you really want to become a missionary. Now, we're not having a altar call for people to become missionaries today, but nevertheless, you know, God's not going to try to make you something you don't want to become. You know, the will of God and the plan of God and the cause of God is simply this. Delight thyself, it says in Psalms 37, in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, when you delight yourself in God, God will put his desires in your heart. And thank God because your cause is different than my cause, you don't have to do what I do. Amen? Amen. Thank God because your cause is different than my cause, you don't have to do what I do. And thank God I don't have to do what you do. I look at some of your all's careers around here and I think, dear Lord, I don't know how you do it. But you have a cause. You have a purpose. You know it. 
you know what you're doing. I just admire what you all do for your careers and for your livelihood. I think, man, I don't know if I could ever do that. Well, I don't have to worry about it because that's not my cause. I'm fulfilling my cause. And that's the key is to stay focused on what God's cause you has a call, his cause for your life and not be focused on someone else's cause. You'll prosper doing your cause. Psalm 37 uh, verses uh, 3 through 5 says, trust in the Lord. How to fulfill your call? Trust in the Lord. How will you fulfill your cause? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. In other words, stay planted. Stay planted. Hold your finger there and go with me to Psalms 1. Getting out of my notes now, but praise God for the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat uh, in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful, but his light is in the law of the Lord, and he is met, his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall not prosper. Oh, shall prosper. Okay, I'm glad you guys are listening. And whatever he does shall prosper. That, that's where I want to be. But you know, when you know what your cause is, in order to fulfill your cause, sometimes you have to stay planted where you're at. You know, springtime's coming. I walked in my backyard. I looked at my small little orchard. I saw these little, you know, buds coming out of the tree. I'm anticipating, you know, this great harvest of fruit. And you know, it's not there yet. But you know, one day, it will be there. But that little tree, if I transplant it, well, I don't like where you're, you're, you're planted. If I transplant it, it's going to stun its ability to be fruitful. So that tree needs to stay planted in order for it to be fruitful. That's why it says Isaiah, you know, that the planting of the Lord glorifies him. Why? Because as we're planted, we allow that cause like our roots to go down deep in our own souls and makes us realize for this purpose I'm brought into the world and I have a cause and I have a purpose and we will see the fruitfulness and the results of that cause. So it's so important, again, that we stay planted. Planted in the house of God. Planted in the things of God. Planet seeking God with our whole heart. So trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. One of the things that concerns me a little bit about revival, and this church is in a spirit of revival, and I'm thankful for revival. I read about revivals. I got a book on the lectures of revival by Charles Finney before we ever had that experience with uh, uh, Rodney Howard Brown when he came in and we had revival in the church. I was looking forward to God doing something. But one of the challenges that many of us may have is that we might think that God ought to duplicate what he's done in the past. and We might miss the new thing that he's doing today. Revival can come any way it wants to come. You know, it can come in a revival of the preaching of the word. It can come in a revival of the presence of God. But we want to let God bring forth his cause and not help God facilitate our cause. Hello, somebody. We want to let God bring forth his cause and not help God facilitate our cause. 
We have a preconceived idea of what maybe it ought to be. And we have to let go and say, God, not my cause, but your cause. Not my way, but your way. Not my plans, but your plans to bring this to pass. And we have to be open to that. Why? Because the Bible says he's doing a new thing. Not doing an old thing. He's doing a new thing. Now, I don't know about you, but a new thing is, to me, something that I've never experienced before. And so he's doing a new thing. And many people will enter into this. And just let me encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be people who come into this church that are different than we are. There are going to be people who are going to come in this church and they are absolutely indoctrinated that even though they may be of one sex, they were born in the wrong body. But this is the world we're facing today. You know, but the Spirit of the Lord came up on me Friday night, and this is what he spoke to me, to encourage our leadership. There are going to be people of that mindset that are going to come into this church. They're going to be confused by what the world says, and God's going to turn them around. And God spoke to me, and he said, you're going to see the miracle of those who were changed surgically be restored by the power of God. I believe that. Is anything too hard for God? You know, I, 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 I read a testimony about a gentleman who had a, a steel plate in his arm. And he got prayed for, and when he woke up the next morning, that steel plate was laying on his bed. Come on, somebody. Is anything too hard for God? I read another testimony about somebody who had a steel rod in their back. When they went to get x-rays, the doctor couldn't find it. Is anything too hard for God? I heard a testimony about Smith Wigglesworth, where a man rolled up, and he didn't have any legs. And Smith Wigglesworth says, you want to believe God for legs? He goes, yeah. He says, well, go get you some shoes. The man went to the shoe store and says, I want some shoes. And the guy says, what size? He says, I don't know. He just threw a size out. And when they put him on the stubs of his legs, his legs grew out. Is anything too hard for God? You know, we've, you know she's seen uh, blind eyes open. The deaf speak. We've seen God, a wither hand grow out. We've seen legs grow out. Is anything too hard for God? Well, then can God take somebody who got confused and had an operation and changed what they thought they would be back to what he restored or what he originally called them to be? Is that too hard for God? You know, we had a girl in our singles one time, and, and um, uh, first of all, she didn't think she'd ever get married. She lived in the world. And because of living in the world, the STDs had sterilized her. And so anyway, she met Mr. Wright, and they got married, but she wasn't supposed to have children. And anyway, when she, she got married and she went into the doctor and did all those things, you know, I don't want to get too graphic here, but got into all those things, not only was she healed of her STDs, but God restored her virginity. Is anything too hard for God? Come on, somebody. What kind of revival are we going to have? We're going to have the kind of revival that people are going to walk in that we wouldn't normally associate with, but they're going to walk out saying, you're my brother, you're my sister. Amen. That's our cause, to change this world. You know, there might be people who come in that are, you know, there might be people, gay marriage, people who are, who are married of the same sex come in here. But, you know, they're going to walk in one way and they're going to realize when the power of God comes upon them that this, sanct, uh, this, this matrimony wasn't of God and they'll go and re uh, dissolve it and get right with God. We're going to see some great things here, folks. But what kind of society are we dealing with? You know, if they don't smell like we smell, are we going to let them sit next to us? If they don't live like we live, are we going to invite them to come back to church anyway? 
This is what we're looking for, folks. This is where Jesus went. Jesus said when the Pharisees confronted him, why are you sitting with all those sinners? You know, Jesus would be sitting with the transgenders today. He'd be sitting with the homeless today. He said, well, the reason I'm here is because they need me. Obviously, you don't need me, or you don't think you need me. That's what he said to the religious people. But you know what? The world needs you because you are the representation of his cause of why he came into this world. He said, well, pastor, I'm just not good enough to be used of God. Let me, let me just say this. Are you a child of God? Then you're good enough. Amen. Well, my testimony, I, I'm not interested in your testimony. God's not interested in your testimony. Besides, your testimony is this. God loves you, and you can share that with somebody else. It's just that simple. Knowing your cause. So in order for us to know our cause, what do we need to do? We need to trust in God and commit our ways to him, and he shall bring it to pass. Abraham fulfilled his cause when he trusted in the Lord. Isaac fulfilled his cause when he dug another well. Jacob fulfilled his cause when he was tired of being a conniver, a schemer, having to deal with the past. God changed his name to Israel. God prevails when Jacob quit struggling with the, with the man of God, and God prevailed for him. Jacob stepped into his cause. Hannah, she fulfilled her cause when she prayed, and she brought Samuel into the world. Esther fulfilled her cause when she listened to her uncle Mordecai, had a cause to save the Jewish people from the wicked plot of Haman. Nehemiah fulfilled his cause when he responded to the condition of Jerusalem, and his cause was to rebuild the wall. You have a cause, but your cause will be greater when you take a moment and say, I'm going to respond to that cause. I'm going to do what God called me to do, and I'm not going to let no man, and I'm not going to let no devil, and I'm not going to let no government stop God's plan for my life. Your cause is to be salt to the earth and preserve what God's given us. Your cause is to be a light to shine before all men, to do good works and to glorify God. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.